Hey, alright. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Sophia Verbilla of Harmony Woods. Harmony Woods released their third and very much their best record. A record called Graceful Rage. Earlier this month, stoked to have Sophia on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music, Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. invite y'all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Happy Aries season. To all your Rams out there, I always feel a surge as we roll into fire seasons. This one is no exception, of course. My favorite Aries of all time on the cover of this podcast. Chloe's birthday is coming up next week. We've been thinking about her. I mean, we're always thinking about her, but putting all that sad into playtime with Hadley and Lily. We got a whole backyard now, and it's warm. They were so excited on Sunday that Hadley jumped onto Lily in a moment of sheer exuberance, uh, one of which we had never seen. Jay and I felt like we were watching our kid take her first steps. She'd never done anything like that before. She's so timid. But she's feeling more confident by the day, sillier and sillier. I want to give a shout out to the homie Chris at Ice Age Records who sent me some records. IceAgeRecords.bandcamp.com I paid for a couple of them, but my guy packed that mailer tight. And also, shout out to Jay Wang out in San Diego. Fast Crowd Records sent me an email and asked... If he could send me some records. The answer is always yes. I would love for anyone listening to send me records. Few things would bring me greater joy. Email me at betteryetpodcast at gmail.com or just email to say hello. I'd love to hear from you. I got a message on Instagram from Rizgin out in Indonesia listening to the show. I don't bring that up to bolster anything. I don't look at the numbers. I don't really know how to look at the numbers. But it's really, really humbling to hear from someone on the other side of the world listening not too far away from where Hadley was born. But wherever you are, if you're listening and feel so inclined, I'd love to hear from you. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Betty It Podcast, where we've got some very fun audio-visual programming available to you, including my weekly top five. This week I talked to little Godard, that's Jean-Luc, Kate Bush, and Charlotte Bronte, and an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that I just found out existed about one of my favorite bands from Seattle. Obviously it's not... The first one you're thinking of, unless you know me really well. We also have conversations with Dave Garwacki of If You Make It, 
Kevin Duquette of Top Shelf Records, Bob Vioma of Shinobu, and Fat and Funky. Whole bunch of extras from the Life's Work podcast. Plus, we get a weekly contribution from our guests. We got covers Lisa Okasami of Oceanator covering Rance's old friend, Tony Molina and Rose Melberg doing 14 Cheer Lyric Cold Front by GBV, Drunken Angel by Lucinda Williams, as performed by Slaughter Beach Dog, Laura Stevenson, Dylan, Can You Please Crawl Out Your Window, by Bob Dylan. We got a Thou Live set demos from Anika Pyle, Mikey Erg, Matt Shemilfenig, and this week, another contribution from Sophia, a demo for Holding You to You from the new record. You can only hear those on our Patreon, patreon.com slash better yet podcast. You can pledge $3 a month and I'll give you access to all the bonus audio and visual content we're posting weekly. If you pledge $10 a month, you'll get all of that. Plus, every three months, we'll be sending out some cool merchandise. Got a zine. Oh, my God, I'm working so hard on the zine. That's kind of been occupying my week. It's coming together. So great. So excited about it. And with our Patreon, we split the revenue from this podcast evenly between the show, the guests, and organizations chosen by our guests the guests are the reason you're listening each week, and we pay our guests for their time. We're paying Sophia for taking part, and we're also using the conversation as a chance to send some money to Mutual Aid. Philly, we love Mutual Aid here. Happy to be sending some money to Sophia's hometown org. If you'd like to support them and support the show, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. My guest this week is Sophia Verbilla of Harmony Woods. Harmony Woods is a project Sophia started in 2016 when she was writing her first songs. She made her first record, Nothing Special, the next year with our homie Jake Ewald producing, and she'd follow that up with a record called Make Yourself at Home that she made with Chris Teddy of The World Is. Make Yourself at Home found Sophia stepping into a larger sonic territory as one would expect with personnel like that. Two great records that have suddenly become a prelude to this new one, Graceful Rage, which pairs Sophia and her band with another homie of ours, Barty Strange. And boy, oh boy, do the results speak for themselves. This is a massive record. Great songs, great sounds, and expressions coming straight from the gut from Sophia and on to us. It is an emotional one, cathartic as fuck, and I was very happy to have the chance to talk with Sophia and now to share it with all of you. Thank you for joining us this week. Rate and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. We'll be back next week. For now, here's me and Sophia Verbilla. That is 
the tweet that you posted that was future lower back tattoo and it was just the end title card from Degrassi the Next Generation. <laughs> I can't lie. That was a good one. I still think about that one sometimes. Dude, it is. Like, I share that. I've shared that with people not in a, like, like, here's, like, something funny that uh, Sophia from, like, the music scene. Dude, I just share that as, like, funniest things that I've seen on the <laughs> internet. Oh, thanks, Tim. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. So... Degrassi, the next generation. Huge fan. Yeah, when did, when did you get into that? I, okay, I got into Degrassi when I was 10 years old. It was the summer between, I think it was fifth and sixth grade. And it was the summer that the Boiling Point aired, where they did that uh-huh. thing where, like, every every weekday night, they would air a new episode. Mm-hmm. And they had the, the teaser um, trailer with like um, the song uh, Shark in the Water in it and it was all like amusement park themed and it was just a whole vibe it, I I was lucky enough to be able to experience Degrassi at what I feel like was its peak or at the very least one of its many peaks you know like because mm-hmm. I remember um... so what yeah what was going on storyline wise Oh my gosh. So the funny thing is I saw that teaser and I was like, oh my God, Degrassi, I got to get hip. (laughs) And this was like a week before um, it all started airing. So I tried to watch like all nine of the seasons that came before in like the week before the boiling point would start. And (laughs) I was watching it on... um, I think it was called like Mega Upload. Okay. And yeah. there was and there was this thing that Mega Upload would do where you could only watch like a certain amount and then they would pause it and they would be like, Okay, you have to wait this many hours until you can watch more. And that totally threw a wrench in my like binge watching plan. I was like, Oh no, I'm not gonna have enough time. I'm to watch every episode of Degrassi so I can be fully prepared for the boiling point. <laughs> so that was really stressful. Um, but I think what they ended up doing was they, T-Nick ended up like... Um, they re- just oh air God, all sword. of them? Yes, 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 yes. They just aired reruns right. like leading up to the premiere, which was really helpful. And I ended up getting caught up. Um, I totally so didn't answer your you. question yeah. at all. I'm, I'm just now realizing. Um, let's see. How did season 10 begin? I'm, oh my God, I'm such a fake fan. This was so long ago. I don't even know. Honestly, I think I'm not going to recognize names from season 10. I don't think I go... <laughs> much past season six i think like jt dying was like my drop-off point it was a it was a combination of like being legitimately sad and then also being like all right i this train is one that i just need to exit now yeah i'm all i'm starting to i'm in too deep (laughs) a little bit too where i'm like i think i don't like anybody anymore yeah yeah the i feel like the writing start started kind of teetering off around that point um but i remember like i think i got to like season four before i realized 
oh god i'm not going to be able to finish all this and then i just skipped to like seasons like eight and nine so i would be prepared for the characters that are actually in season 10 Mm. um but i remember reading jt's like wiki entry on the degrassi wiki and and being like death wait what huh what like i didn't know (laughs) it took me a while to like work up the courage to watch that episode because that that shit was dark it was heavy (laughs) so sad what a show man absolutely yeah we um I'm I'm on like a like every two years just to rewatch, and it becomes just like yeah, you know, watch watch four episodes and then leave it on in the background for a couple days. Yeah, it's on. real easy for the kids these days because now every episode is on YouTube. <laughs> no need for mega upload. No need for those time limits. It's just all on YouTube for free. It's crazy. Listen to what you. What a world we live in today. Listen to you. <laughs> These kids don't know. Back they don't know how hard we had it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd you where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in South Philly, and then I ended up moving to the suburbs when I was 16, and then um my first two years of college in the city i lived on campus and so i've been in the suburbs like consistently for about like two years now i Mm -hmm. would say two years a year and a half something like that you live in you live in back in the suburbs now yeah i'm sorry if that was confusing no 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 that's that's all good are you you living with your folks Mm Hmm. yeah how's that it's chill um i get along really well with my dad and my stepmom they're hella chill i get to live with my two little sisters they are the best human beings on this planet and no one can convince me otherwise they are so smart and so funny and just so much more advanced than i was at their respective ages like they're the absolute best and we have dogs too which is sick yeah it's a good time that's fantastic how old how old are your (laughs) sisters um eight and eleven oh nice those are good ages too little 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 young adults oh yeah yeah it's crazy because like i've known them before they were actually people in Mm -hmm. a way you know so to actually watch them become people and like develop their own personalities and their own quirks and stuff is just it's it's totally bonkers and i don't know not to get like too deep or anything but i feel like it's taught Mm -hmm. me how to love in a way that i wouldn't otherwise you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's something a lot of people don't experience until like they have children of their own you know because you hear a lot of people after they have children they're like, oh my god, I had no idea. Like, I could love this much, and like, that's it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, experience that and experience that whole, you know, oh my god, I would kill for you, <laughs> like I yeah. would die for you. Type I mean, yeah, thing. you're 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 old enough, uh, or there's enough of a difference in your ages where you're you have a protective instinct that goes, uh, I think, a little bit. It's a little bit more developed than just the like. That's my kid's sister. I'm yeah. five. Don't do that. 
1000% that and also like I so vividly remember being their ages and I can sort of sometimes I can like flash back to like and like remember how I was when I was their ages so I feel like yeah there's that protective side but then I'm also really I'm also able to relate to them Mm -hmm. easily which Mm -hmm. is I don't know it's really cool they're the best so uh so you're living with your dad what's your mom what's your mom up to where's she um my mom lives in philly oh okay you too mm-hmm. close yeah yeah we actually we we recently um sort of like reconnected and i won't get into that because it's a whole thing but um yeah it's been really really nice that's good it's is it yeah. get, it's getting better yeah yeah she's the best she's it's really it's really weird like going so many years like not really talking to someone and then especially like throughout such formative ages um and then reconnecting with them and then somehow you ended up just like them not just like them but you ended up having like a lot in common with them even though you were sort of apart for so long i don't know it's a pretty wild thing so your dad what does he do he is a retail manager at an automotive retail store. Okay. I think I said that correctly. Yeah. I won't say the one, but it's like a chain. He can get me an oil filter. Yeah. Right. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so doing research about you, I, I ended up learning a lot about your dad. We talked a little about this in the pre-production meeting. Um, he seems like a cool dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he's lived a, a life, right? Like he used to he used to roadie for mm-hmm. metal bands. Yeah, uh, Monster Magnet and like some other like metal bands, sludgy bands like that. He used yeah. to have this like really long like dyed raven black hair. Like I wasn't around to um witness it, but he's showed me pictures and yeah. <laughs> Shit's crazy. <laughs> so was there music in the house when you were growing up? Like were you were you you know, Saturday mornings like, yeah, let's listen to my old friends and all that. Yeah, records. for sure. It so my my situation is kind of unique. In the way that I, like, growing up, I was raised primarily by my mom. And then my dad sort of re-entered the picture when I was 10. So I mainly grew up listening to the music that my mom would play around the house, which Mm -hmm. was, um, I'm trying to think. She was really into Incubus, really into, like, Amy Winehouse and other, like, R&B type stuff. Mm -hmm. Pretty diverse, honestly. But, yeah, she has great taste. Yeah. And the, and when your dad uh, comes back into the into the picture, is he is he telling tales of the road? Is like to be honest, I don't think he remembers most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, way to it go! It is what it is. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> but you but you so you reconnect with your dad then um at a young age so i mean that's got to be that's got to be really nice to also have now with with your mom it's like you've you've 
gone through that before you know what's possible in here and that's that's just really lovely i think yeah it was wild because for a while it almost felt as though okay i could only either have my dad or my mom and i couldn't have both you know but Mm -hmm. you know recently reconnecting my with my mom like this is pretty much the first time in my life where i feel like i have a very steady and stable relationship with both of them and it's yeah i'm i'm eternally grateful it's really really cool (laughs) great that's great do you remember when you were getting into music like in a in a serious way like when did you start playing so i started taking guitar lessons when i was 10 um i think the main thing that inspired me was um it was around the time that Taylor Swift started becoming like really, really popular, like Fearless era. And I remember like seeing her on TV and stuff, and being like, "Oh my god, have you girls told can Joe play guitar this? too?" <laughs> what was that? Have you told Joe about this? Joe Steinhardt. <laughs> I'm just making a joke about. Yo, I love Joe. He's, he's the, the best. He's we so like good. we haven't had many like one-on-one conversations, but he he's such a sick professor. Yeah. Like he's just so smart. But not only that, but like I feel like I've mainly had classes with him during the pandemic. So, I only really know like pandemic mode teaching Joe. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but he's he's just like super patient and understanding. And not only that, but yeah, like I said, he's a sick professor, like just all around really, really good guy for sure. That's that's awesome. I love him. (laughs) I love him. He was last week's guest. The continuity here is (laughs) amazing. So, so you start, you start playing guitar. Um, when did you start writing songs then? I started writing songs when I was 16, However, I think, so the first song I ever finished writing was our song Ghosts, which is on our album Make Yourself at Home. Yeah. But the funny thing it's about that, that song too. is, yeah, funny thing about that song is I wrote the chorus when I was like 13 or 14, mm-hmm. something dumb like that. And then I didn't actually end up writing anything around it until... I was 16. Yeah, around that age. Yeah. So it took a while. <laughs> I, I always wanted to write, but around that time, I was just really, really, really self-conscious. Yeah. And I was really scared of failing, which looking back is a little silly because now I realize, okay, you have to be bad at a skill slash hobby slash talent mm-hmm. first in order to get better at it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was just like super self-conscious and I was like, well, I don't want to be bad at it. So I'm not going to try at all. <laughs> you know how it goes. Um, yeah. That sounds very 13. Yeah. But eventually I was just like, okay, it's only me in this room. No one's going to, like, roast me for being not good enough. Let's just write some stuff and see how it goes. And some pretty cool stuff ended up coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good song. That song Thanks. is, like, um, that that song is super lived in, you know? It's, mm-hmm. like, 
I found this I found that with a lot of of your writing and I I really don't want to sound backhanded to when I use the term but mature is like you know I don't know if there's a better word for it than I feel you than that cuz it just feels like there's so much just experience that goes into that song yeah i feel that there i've yeah ever since i was little like grown-ups would tell me stuff like oh you're so mature for your age or Mm -hmm. oh you're an old soul yeah but in actuality i think it was just one i'd been through a lot since i was a super young kid and two i was really quiet and nervous all the time Mm -hmm. and i thought that people would like me best if i was just you know sitting still and shutting up so i don't know i have a funny relationship with the word mature yeah and because i feel like in a lot of ways i'm sort of how do i put this i feel more like a teenager now than I did when I actually was one uh-huh. because I I didn't really have the chance to be one, you know, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It's just my my brain just wasn't there. And there was so much I was just worried about so much that I didn't have the energy or the space to really, you know, experience the things that I should have been Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense i don't know absolutely and i mean there's like i don't know there's the sitting on a spring analogy maybe yours is just like a a much denser one that takes a lot longer to get down to the bottom and you're i mean i feel like you're experiencing like a renaissance in in a lot of ways like some years that you that you missed out on but I, I tell you what i'm in my 30s i feel more like i'm in my 20s than i did when i was in my 20s mm. i feel that wow that's that's really refreshing to hear cuz sometimes i worry that i'm like regressing or something because i feel younger now than i did then but I don't know. I just got to pull back and remember, like, listen, so most of your experiences are universal. <laughs> like, just because people aren't talking about stuff all the time doesn't mean they're not experiencing it. So, right. I mean, yeah, that's that's very, very real. For what's, sure. what's your star sign? <laughs> I'm a Pisces. If, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I, I, lo- I love Pisces. Oh. That's funny. I, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like a textbook Pisces in a lot of ways. That's really funny. What's your moon though? I okay. So my big three is Pisces Sun, Sagittarius Moon, uh-huh. Libra Rising. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that Libra Rising, huh? What's up, mom, dad? <laughs> it's really it's funny because my mom is a Libra Sun. Uh huh. And I'm a Libra rising, and like I don't know, I I think I read something about how like like sun or like signs can appear, signs that appear in like 
parents' birth charts can appear in kids' birth charts, but also, like, there are so many signs, so of course there's going to be some overlap. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm, like, I'm kind of cynical about astrology, but also I'm I'm into it. I don't know. I have a funny relationship with it. Yeah. I got, I've got a Virgo moon, and my dad's a Virgo son, and I, I feel like our connection is, you know, I mean, it's strong for other reasons too but there's that aspect of it see i'm a sagittarius sure. son so oh sometimes i can get everything i want and still not be happy <laughs> whoa tim i'm not sure what you mean <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny so and you started going to shows in philly you're 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 real close and i was reading up a bit about your first record nothing special and uh you had you had a hell of a backing band on that and you were going (laughs) to see modern baseball shows right yeah and the idea that your teenage years are spent going to see modern baseball and slaughter beach dog shows at you know whatever whatever dumps you were seeing them in is <laughs> so cool to me how was that like you know i remember going to shows in in chicago and it was like you know my dad would drive us in and then eventually it was like well we know like which trains can drop us off close to these venues so we can go to these venues mm-hmm. how was it with your with your dad just being like hey i want to go to the this show at the Michael Jordan house or whatever. <laughs> I mean, when I first started going to house shows, I was really, really shy about asking him. But he was he was all for it. He was just like, yeah, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And I was like, oh, okay, sick. Just because, like, I don't know, we both love music so much. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really neat to be able to have a companion to go to those shows with and even more neat that it was my dad (laughs) yeah oh that's so that's so neat and then like if you wrote ghosts when you were 16 like when did you start playing shows yourself so it's funny that you mentioned michael jordan because the first show that i ever played was at michael jordan (laughs) Mm -hmm. i just i played an acoustic set and I was so nervous that I ended up like my hands were shaking so bad that I dropped my pick like Uh at the very end of the first song. Um, But but everyone was super nice and it was really, really cool. And like, yeah, I was really nervous, but everyone was like super supportive and super sweet. And yeah, it was really cool that I got to have my first show there of all places, given that I was like such a huge modern baseball fan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like cinematic in a way. I don't know. Weird shit. Yeah, dude. Seriously, <laughs> though, like looking at that, especially just the progress of um, like, did your dad really send Jake your songs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I, yeah. In retrospect, it is. But at the time I was like freaking out. I was like, you did what? No, 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 no. (laughs) Cause like I was, I like, like I was saying before, I was so shy and like, 
so not super confident. I was just like, oh my god, what's he gonna think? He was really, really sweet about it, of course, obviously, because mm-hmm. he's Jake, and that's how he is. <laughs> the <laughs> but best. Yeah, he's he's the best. Um, but yeah, at the at the time, I was really scared. I was like, Dad, why? <laughs> but he liked it. Yeah, <laughs> he he seemed to. Yeah, I mean, he had really, really like sweet and encouraging things to say about it, which was really cool. Yeah. So how 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 did it end up that he's producing? Nothing special. And then Brendan was playing guitar mm-hmm. on that. How does that come together? It was pretty wild. I just like, I just asked him one day, like we were both at the same place at the same time. I was just like, hey, like, how would you feel about recording my band? Maybe, possibly, you could totally say no. Um, and mm-hmm. He was really sweet about it. He was like, yeah, like, let's do it. And like, we started emailing and it it all like sort of came together in this very serendipitous way. I don't know. It was pretty freaky. Again, yeah. a lot of things in my life have been very freaky in that way and have sort of just like fallen together. The more I think about it, I'm just like, I must have like a guardian angel watching over me or something because like this shit's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, like re- recording with it was, was really, really cool. It was awesome. I love the way that record turned out, too, and I'm really taken with just how episodic those songs feel, like the vignettes, but also a song like Parking Lot, that moment where he says the parking lot is too small. It's so fucking heavy. Where did that come from? Um, So... That record is a concept record. Um, Like, the story itself is a story. It's fiction. But it was very much influenced by um, certain dynamics that I had witnessed growing up. And very much influenced by, you know, my own anxiety and my own mental health struggles. So I felt like I was able to find a sort of safe, more distant way to write about myself by sort of building a story around things that I had experienced, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, You said something similar to that uh, in an interview with The Key, and I I really, really took to that quote um, of just taking certain facets of your personality and putting them into situations that you'd never experienced. Um, I mean, looking at the records that have come since, it seems like you still still write that way. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing with Make Yourself at Home, and I did the same thing with um, Rittenhouse from Graceful Rage. But aside from that song, all of Graceful Rage is pretty much ripping that mask off, like taking away um that like any sort of narrative and just laying shit out on the table which (laughs) made it really scary for me to put out graceful rage like at first i was really 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 scared um but i don't know people ended up really resonating with it like early on even 
Yeah. And I don't know. I'm really grateful for that. Um, let's get, let's get to graceful rage when we get there, but I want to, I, I do want to talk about that. Um, yeah. After the, after the first record, like, did you put a, did you put a band together? Has like Harmony Woods always kind of been, uh, you and whomever is it, has there ever been like a, like an established lineup? Cause obviously you're you're not going to be playing with uh, Jake and Brendan when nothing special comes out. Yeah. So the way Harmony Woods has always kind of worked is like there's me and then whoever's around at the time. Mm -hmm. And there have been people um, who are around pretty consistently, but then, you know, things happen. Um, So yeah, there right now there's, a pretty solid-ish lineup. My friend uh, David, who I go to school with, he played drums on Graceful Rage, and he's been playing drums for me for, um, oh my gosh, since... I think his first show with us was June 2018. Uh Um, And then my friend Josh, who plays bass in The World Is, he also played bass on Graceful Rage, and um, he's done a few tours with us too, I think. We started playing together uh, uh, mm-hmm. like winter, spring 2019, maybe. So was that? I, I, I'm a total space cadet, so it's hard for me to remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... that Pisces. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's no, no disparaging comment on on Pisces uh, around the globe. <laughs> you listening. can roast me all you want. I give you. I give you full permission. So. Um, <laughs> So that was that that comes after Make Yourself at Home that mm-hmm. you recorded up in Connecticut with with Chris Teddy from The World Is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um so how does that how does that go? You make this record nothing special and you're immediately like, All right, LP two, like let's <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, I I started writing Make Yourself at Home like I think a few months before Nothing special came out. Actually, thinking about it, I probably started writing it shortly after recording Nothing Special, mm-hmm. which is pretty freaky. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 record came together pretty quickly, which was really cool. Yeah. I, I sort of viewed it as um a spiritual sequel to Nothing Special, mm-hmm. but I didn't wanna make that the thing. You know, like that's not something I'm super loud about just because I I didn't want people, you know, comparing it super hard to the first one more so than they like probably already would be, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm really proud of both those records for sure. I feel like listening to Nothing Special, like the songs that you were writing are just like dying to have something huge around them and those world is records are just enormous so you you had to have had that in mind right like oh i know exactly where i want to go now with this one and that's with chris yeah for sure i've always i've always really loved chris's production and i've always loved you know big loud like post 
rock influenced music in general mm -hmm. so yeah like yeah that was definitely like the direction i wanted to go in for sure i think it's dope that you're like you're really deliberate with who produces your records we're going to talk about barty soon too but mm -hmm. it's like i feel like usually that is something that people do a little bit later in their career it's like oh now i'm gonna make a record with <laughs> this person but i don't know where did where did that instinct come from do you think to like really seek people out and work with them and work with what they do yeah i mean i've always tried to be as intentional as possible when choosing the producers that i work with because i <clears throat> i don't have much experience with like audio engineering and it, it's never been the kind of thing that comes naturally to me like even today me recording my own audio for this podcast mm -hmm. i'm struggling a little bit you know um you're doing great and thanks um and yeah there have been times where i've been the kind of person who is like afraid to reach out and like seek help when it comes to things that I'm not as good at, but engineering and producing and like all that kind of stuff has always been the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, you person do this because I can't uh -huh. <laughs> for sure. And it, you kind of put yourself in a situation too, where you're like, you kind of give, I wouldn't say carte blanche, but when you're working with someone like, Chris or like Barty, even like Jake, it's like, it's like, I'm, you hear the songs, like, let's do what you do, right? Is there? Yeah, in a way, for sure. Like, there are definitely, when I go into recording, there are definitely um, certain things that I have on, like, my checklist, like certain records that I'm inspired by, certain sonic qualities that I'm inspired by, um, and, like, sometimes, like, I'll have arrangements in mind already, for songs but there definitely comes a point where i'm like okay this is in your hands now <laughs> yeah because because i feel like the most interesting art is inspired by you know multiple different perspectives so you know the the longer that i'm doing this the more collaborative i want to be when creating for sure so make yourself at home um that was See, I didn't realize that nothing special was one story, but uh, Make Yourself at Home is like abundantly clear that it's one story. And I really like the way that you, you use a lot of lines multiple times. And like... There's that part in Misled where you mentioned like your father used to sing to you every night. And then the next song, there's the father singing a Beatles song to them. I mean, did you, do you have to lay that out or do you kind of just work with like a loose idea and then these like pieces of connectivity come together naturally? Very much the latter like i'll have a loose concept in mind and then i'll sit down to write a song and i'll be like okay 
let's try to make this this part of the story but no promises mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just i just sort of rely on my intuition yeah and i just sort of <laughs> I, I kind of sometimes i feel like i don't write the songs sometimes i feel like i'm being like possessed or something yeah. or that like the song fairy has come to like put some dust on me i don't know that sounds freaky as hell but <laughs> i love it yeah i don't know sometimes i've gotten into these spaces where i'm like oh i can't take credit for my art because i feel like it's not mine because whenever i write it's almost as if like i black out and then i come out of it with a song i don't know yeah It's real freaky, but yeah, definitely more intuitive than planned, for sure. You write a lot, too. Like, you have done so much so quickly, too. You just try to not get in your own way? (laughs) Um, It's funny you say that, because a lot of the time I feel like I'm not doing it enough. But I think that might just be my own anxiety. You know, constantly feeling like I'm not, well, I'm not creating enough. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not relaxing enough. You know, all that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I always have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, because, you know, it's probably funny for me, a writer, to be saying this out loud. But I feel like a lot of people might be able to relate or like. It's really hard for me to find the words sometimes mm-hmm. when, like, communicating with people in my life. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a big part of why I write a lot is because it's my main way of using my voice. Like, my main way of communicating mm-hmm. is through music. I hope that doesn't sound too pretentious. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, like, when you were talking earlier about, you know, being being a teenager being like a adolescent and not saying much yeah i mean if you grow up not doing that that's kind of gonna be part of your pattern yeah absolutely so how did skeletal lightning come in with your background i it's kind of funny that you are not on a philly label uh instead it's uh the homies in central Illinois. <laughs> um, Skeletal Lightning is run by some of the sweetest, most hardworking people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, when we were talking to them um, before putting out Make Yourself at Home, it once again, you know, it, it was very much a gut feeling of just being like, oh, yeah. This is it. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a more interesting answer, but like, I don't know. Sometimes you just know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Graceful Rage, you talked about sort of taking away that layer of uh, invention. With the exception of Rittenhouse, which I, mm-hmm. I think before I sort of went back and looked at what you said about your writing listening to some of the details in Rittenhouse I was like well shit Mm -hmm. should I should I ask about (laughs) yeah no it's it's a naturally it's a natural thing to be curious about I totally get it and that's why I want to be as like transparent as possible 
about that song because I would never want to, you know, pass off a lived experience that is not my own mm-hmm. as my own, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But um, the other songs on here do take that that layer away. What um, what got you to want to do that? And I guess, like, was it difficult to say, all right, like, hello, hello, world, <laughs> this is it. This is me. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing about most of the songs on Graceful Rage is those were songs that I wrote sort of for therapeutic reasons uh-huh. that I did not think I would ever release. Um, mm-hmm. So what happened was I had a lot of these songs and about a few months into the pandemic, you know, I sort of thought to myself, okay, like shit's really, really, really rough for a lot of people right now. If I were to put out these songs is there any chance that they could help people is there any chance that they could help people feel a little less alone feel a little bit lighter um and just the possibility of that was enough to make me think okay fuck it let's do this Mm -hmm. um and it was it was really scary and there were like a few times where i just wanted to back out entirely um but i'm really grateful that i didn't and I'm really grateful for, you know, all the people who have been, like, hitting me up and saying, oh, like, thank you for this, or, like, I really resonated with this certain part, and, like, thank you for speaking about these things, because that's that's the reason why I even thought about the possibility of putting out these songs, Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm really, really grateful for that. Did you have people that were, like, helping you, like get past those moments of like "Ah, maybe not maybe this was a good idea yesterday but i don't know right now (laughs) um sean and mo from skeletal lightning Mm -hmm. uh were the ones usually helping me through that because yeah we have a business relationship but we're also like really we're also pretty good friends like we like i i can talk to them about like stuff going on in my life and they don't make me feel weird about it at all like they're just they're the best people um and you know i i wanted to be clear about like where the songs came from with them just because they were the ones putting it out and you know i wanted to be fully transparent with them and they were always just completely understanding and, you know, I remember, like, telling some, like, friends from the past about certain things that had happened and certain things that sort of inspired the record and just being told stuff like, oh, but, like, like, why do you feel that way? Or mm. your reaction is, like, <clears throat> like, disproportionate to what actually happened. Just, like, stuff like that. And, like, I, I don't resent any of those people. But, you know, I ended up internalizing that kind of stuff for a really long time. And 
it because of that it took me a while to get over these certain things that had happened because I was telling myself, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, you have to get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just making everything <laughs> worse, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. as it does. Um, so, yeah, being able to share those really, really vulnerable parts of myself with the people who helped me bring the record to life. I'm just I'm I'm really, really happy that I got to do that. And I'm really grateful that they, you know, held that space for me, for sure. I mean, I think what I found interesting and really helpful, too, is throughout this record, you're processing things about people that you are also wrestling with your own feelings of compassion towards them that I think are a very human thing where you can't just turn something off on someone no matter what you want no matter how hard you try it's like and then that becomes its own like its own set of weights you have to carry around it's like you know what am I feeling sorry for this person? Yep. Because the thing is, you know, most of the time people don't hurt people or people don't do harmful things for no reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, everyone has been through something that made them who they are, you know? Mm -hmm. Not, Not to, like diminish anyone to the the bad things that they've done because i i again like i didn't i don't want this to be the kind of record where oh i'm just pointing fingers because i i fully recognize that every single person is capable of causing harm i feel like it's a tough it's a tough thing to like work out you know in any situation other than in private or with like one other person where you, it's like you go through the process of like rounding out. Okay. How do I feel about all of this? And Mm -hmm. like using a safe space to, you know, on like to help with your own hurt, which is tied to, this person that you're connected to while also like making sure that nobody else is hurt by that is, I think it's something that like we're all kind of processing right now. Yeah. It's heavy shit. Just like not wanting to exile anyone because you know, that's only going to make a bad situation worse. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you don't feel safe around that person and and you're not really at a point where you can trust them yet and you're just you just have no idea what to do it's not like like i don't have social work experience you know like i'm yeah. i'm just i'm a 22 year old musician mm-hmm. you know like there's 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 just so much shit that i feel like i've been thrust into that i'm just not cut out for or not emotionally prepared for you know and i know i'm not the only one <laughs> 
you know, like it it happens to most of us and we just, we deal with it the best that we can. When you put this out, um, you said at its core, Graceful Rage is a record about confronting the emotional rubble that this trouble leaves in its wake. Um, I mean, I can't help but look at this and just think about the situation that we're all in with the pandemic of just being idle and having this shit that doesn't want to leave. I think that what you have done here is really given such a tremendous exhale for everybody listening. Thank you. That that means that means the world to hear. It really does. Also that fucking line. That fucking line about how you know best like you're a walking fucking copy of Infinite Jest. I emailed you about it last night. It was the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. I I, I figured that that was the one yeah. that you were referring to. <laughs> that was that's so fucking on point. <laughs> and like Yeah. I can't think of somebody who's like uh been on this show who's uh who's made me laugh that loud in one of uh one of their songs. Oh my god, I'm honored. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. So so how did Barty's get involved? He did such a fucking good job on this thing. Oh my god, you're telling me he oh my god. I I cannot praise Barty Strange enough. He he he's amazing. Like not only is he an absolute genius, but he's also one of the kindest, warmest, goofiest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life. Mm-hmm. Like he's just he's an absolutely stellar person. Um I had sort of brought up the idea for the record to our label Skeletal Lightning. And they were like, well, you know, like, we, like, recently got an email, like, from Barty Strange. Like, he just started working at this studio, 38 North in Virginia. And, you know, he told us that they're installing hospital-grade air filters and that, like, you know, it can be, like, a pretty safe experience. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, that's perfect. Let's do it. Because we, at that point, we had already been, like twitter mutuals for about a year Mm -hmm. and i I didn't know him personally yet but i was completely taken back by his songwriting and his audio engineering skills and his arrangement skills um the first thing i had heard by him that really 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 blew my mind was his cover of um the nationals lemon world for his um say goodbye to pretty boy ep yeah like the first time i heard that cover i was i was like out in public somewhere i was like on the train or like walking to class or something and i heard the drop in the first chorus and i was just like oh my god you have to be fucking kidding me right now because like 
I like the National is my favorite band, I and they've been my favorite band for Nationals a few years now. So I love much. them. Me too. I love them so much, and I love like that original song so much. Yeah. But he he gave it the he gave that song the dynamic range that I always longed for it to have. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Like no shade to the National because like they do what they do and they do it beautifully but i was just so i was so transfixed on barty's arrangement and yeah ever since then like i've Mm. i've absolutely loved all of his work he's he's stellar yeah i fucking dude my favorite thing that he did on this record is the drums on god's gift to women just like (laughs) Those spaces, it sounds like he records things in, like, you know, a cave slash God's basement slash... <laughs> it, they're insane. The The drums on that record, like, we were recording them, and in real time, I was just like, oh my fucking God, <laughs> like, this is... This this is better than I ever could have imagined. Like, because what I told him before going into it was the the way that um the sonic inspiration that I was envisioning for the record, the way I described it to him was um disintegration by the cure mm-hmm. plus melodrama by Lord divided by the cherry tree EP. By the national. Oh my god! (laughs) And it almost it it like he did it. I don't know how. I don't know how, but he fucking did it. Mm. Like the percussion, like the drums and the bass, just the entire rhythm section is just massive. And oh my god, sorry, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging about my own record. I'm I'm bragging about what Bartiz did to it. This is me just fully praising Bartiz's work. I didn't do this. He did. Um, I just told him what to do, and and he did it. And he's an absolute beast um yeah like one of the main things i wanted out of the record was i wanted people to be able to not only feel like emotionally but to be able to physically feel the drums Mm -hmm. and the bass and he did it and i'm to this day i'm absolutely floored dude hell fucking yeah um (laughs) so that melodrama was in my partner's car for a long time and i listened to that record so many times in just bits and pieces and it's so fucking good i actually i sent graceful rage to my partner today and i was like i was like you're gonna like this i can't really describe what it is but now i know it's disintegration <laughs> plus Lord's melodrama. Damn. Yay. <laughs> God's Gift to Women is like such a fucking ripper, though. Was that the arrangement that you like went in with? Like, yo, let me just fucking throw a goddamn like Paramore hit single 
out. Is that I don't really know Paramore very well, and I don't sound, I don't mean to sound dismissive. It was heavily Paramore inspired, yeah, totally. like Riot inspired for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I I heard Riot for the first time, or well specifically, I heard That's What You Get for the first time when I was like ten years old, and it completely rewired my brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I had written that song, and I was talking with him just like going over sort of like pre-production stuff and i was like you know like i kind of want to make this a bratty pop punk song but i'm worried that it'll be too on the nose like yeah like i i sort of want to not parody but kind of parody this style of music Mm -hmm. but like will it come across as tongue-in-cheek or will it or will it just come across like oh we're just trying to sound pop punk you know and he said the wisest thing to me he was just like who cares let's just lean into it yeah like let's just go pop punk let's just go fully 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 lean into it and i was just like okay if you say so (laughs) and it 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 worked it yeah it, it ended up working out for sure it's a really cool listening experience because i i feel like the tone to it is all it's all uniform it's all it's all part of one thing, but the mm-hmm. shifts in the dynamics and like the subgenre influences to stuff are so sharp and so on the nose too. Um, also, like your vocals sound just as big as those fucking drums. <laughs> like whether it's like you know the beginning of easy or the title track like damn sounds fucking so good i can't say anything but like good stuff about that those performances and the way that they sound oh thank you like okay i i love the first two records i'm super proud of them but graceful rage is just i feel like it's worlds above anything i've ever like been a part of in my life like i am just i am so fucking proud of that record and i'm so stoked on how it turned out like for the first time in my life i was able to listen back to like a record that i wrote and be like wait a second like Mm -hmm. this kind of goes <laughs> not to sound like super conceited but i was just like wow like this is this is i think this might be something <laughs> seriously and then you just you just dropped it huh you just said oh record's coming out now yeah i was just like fuck it let's do it why not <laughs> i listened to it that morning you know i don't do that oh, i don't do that all the time <laughs> It was like I I I support that move fully. How did how Thanks. did that how did that come out? Just to decide like oh okay, what am I gonna do? A pre order? What are we gonna release like half of this record before it actually comes out? Yeah, exactly. Like okay, for one, I I just love surprises. You know, yeah, they're super fun. I dig it. I like to be surprised. I like to be kept on my toes. Um, but yeah, like you said, I just could not envision 
doing a rollout for this record. Like we we've done rollouts before and like it's been cool, but for this record it just kind of seemed like it would have made it all seem like disingenuine almost. Mm-hmm. Like I just eh, rollouts are just like like again, like they're cool, but they can be so excruciating, mm-hmm. you know? like ah just dropped the record already and i was just kind of like i was talking to skelly and i was just like can we like opt out can we just like not do that (laughs) and they were down that's fucking great to hear i hope it's something that uh becomes a little bit more common um and i think that it really serves the material here this is a record that is it's fucking called graceful rage you you're gonna like temper that you're gonna like <laughs> this whole thing is like one scream what are you gonna like cut it off and be like oh yeah it would have felt it? so weird because like uh, it it doesn't seem like a record that has like singles you know mm-hmm. like it's just like you said it's just one big howl basically and i wanted that to come across so the thought of just like putting out songs separately it just felt wrong you know i don't know how else to explain it like like i was saying earlier like when you know it's right you know and i feel like the other side of that is when you know it's wrong you know yeah um and it, yeah it felt like the surprise drop was the only option um people liking it people giving you prompts people feeling what you're feeling you think there there i've definitely seen a lot of really really nice stuff like especially that first day oh my god it was crazy i i like i wasn't expecting all that you know like there is a reason why small bands like bands our size like there's a reason why they do rollouts and there's a reason why they don't just like drop it Mm -hmm. you know because like I wasn't really expecting anything, you know? I wasn't putting it out expecting, like, praise or, like, I I wasn't expecting to blow up or anything. Like, that's not why I make music. Like, I make music because I want to help people and I want to make people feel a little lighter, you know? And all I wanted to do was share it, Mm. you know? I, I... I, I didn't I don't I don't do it for the clout, you know, yeah. and like I hope that doesn't come across as like disingenuine because like, yeah, we're on social media and yeah, I, I like promote our merch and stuff because that's just what you do, you know. Um, but I was really proud of this record and I was just like, yeah, let's just put it out and see what happens. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm just shocked and so grateful for how it's being received so far for real when you talk about these songs kind of coming from somewhere else i think that your choice to share it in that way and to make it for other people is uh the best thing you can do with that yeah for sure like the songs have one meaning they 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 like there's a side to them that's what they meant when i wrote them in that moment 
but now I feel now that it's out, it's like they get to evolve mm. and they get to take on new forms and people get to form their own relationships with them and form their own associations with, you know, the lyrics and everything. And it's just so ah, it's just so awesome. Like that's everything I've ever wanted you know, was to give these songs a life of their own. And I feel like they have that now. And it's bigger than just me. And it's sick, (laughs) you know? Um, Caleb from Sinai Vessel shared something with me that uh, it feels pertinent here. This isn't your best record. You got you got much greater things ahead of you. Keep really, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! This is this is one that's gonna feel intimidating to follow up, but keep doing what you're doing, dude. You are fucking on the path. Oh my god! Thank you. That's see. That's a that's another thing that I've been like scared to like talk about with other people because I don't want to come off, you know, ungrateful or anything like that. But, you know, we've never had a record be received like this. So I've never had this thing to worry about where it's like, oh my God, like, what am I gonna do next? Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I'm terrified. Like I'm trying as hard as I can to live in the moment. And to just fully throw myself into this one thing. But it's so hard to not worry about what's going to come next, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, hearing that, that's really, really, really sweet of you. And I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been, like, like like I told you earlier, like, interviews really, really scare me. (laughs) But, But this has been, you know... It's it's been sick and yeah thanks thanks for having me on. All right, let's check out Harmony Woods online. <laughs> HarmonyWoodsPA.BandCamp.com, BetterYetPod.com, BetterYetPodcast.BandCamp.com. Pledge to the show on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash BetterYetPodcast. We will see you next week. Thank you, friends. <laughs>